0: You're listening to the Living Inside Out podcast, and I'm your host, Toks Arutare. This is episode 38. Welcome to the Living Inside Out podcast, where we believe the future is ours. Episode 38 is Faith and Your Future. What's popping? Here's what's popping for me, Lisa Nichols, Lisa Shunturn Nichols of Motivating the Masses, motivational speaker extraordinaire, you know her. Well, she shared a post recently, which I read, sent to my friends, clipped it, saved it in Evernote, where I highlighted some sections of it. Then I went on to journal and extract lessons from the highlights. Because I was in a place where my future was being threatened by my past. (laughs) Have you ever been there? Like ever? Here's what I learned. Yesterday is dead. Why then do I routinely drag its carcass, its rotten flesh, and embed it into my tomorrow's? It is so necessary for us to know the mindsets or the beliefs that trip us up. And we've all got several. In my case, my trip buttons tend to change regularly. Recently, I found myself responding to self-consciousness. Don't know where that came from, but it was dictating when I moved and how fast. And I, I literally have no idea what brought that on. All I know is that when I was recording my videos in particular, something that has always been such a breeze suddenly became a dread. But the realization that whatever thoughts or experiences I amassed in the past that was now dictating how I felt, that they don't actually have any effect on tomorrow. Tomorrow is new. It's unstained and You have got free reign of what you do with your tomorrow. Isn't that liberating? I've left the link to her post in the show notes. Announcement time. (laughs) The Write Your Rockstar Story Workshop is going to be running for the very first time on the 12th of June. There are limited spaces. It's a two-hour class, so grab your spot pronto. Here's the thing. I've been working on making some mindset courses available, and I've been doing this for the past year. (laughs) I've been taking my time because, well, just because. But there are an increasing number of ladies, some of whom are very dear to me, that are standing at this junction, not sure which way to go. And I love recording the podcast, and you guys tell me just how Impactful it's been, and how you have even gone on to make some changes. I get that, you know, a substantial number of people who listen come back to me and tell me that, which is very helpful, but nothing beats face to face practical, real guidance. So head to talksarotary.com forward slash workshops for details, and I've also left the, no- the link in today's show notes. Okay, are you ready? <laughs> Are you ready for today's episode? It's our final installment on acquiring inspiration from our future, and we'll be delving into the link between faith and future-mindedness. And I want to tell you how my faith helps me to keep my vision within sight. So I grew up in a traditional Christian home. My mother is an Anglican, which is the Church of England, and my father is a Catholic, well, correction... My father is now a practicing Catholic. Although he was raised in a Catholic home, at some point he went off, did his own thing and eventually returned. So I also went to boarding house, as you know, in the north of Nigeria. And the north, if you're not aware, is primarily a Muslim population. And what it means is that I had front row seats to Catholic, Protestant and Muslim faiths. I also learned that the Catholics and the Protestants, although they, uh, they, 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 de- they declare that Jesus is Lord, they sometimes regard themselves as being of a completely different faith, which I think is a shame, because that's the one thing that unites the church, is that Jesus is Lord. If there is a staple between traditional churches or within traditional churches, it will be their prayers prayers have been a part of the church from the very beginning. And at some point, I don't know, someone decided to start writing these prayers down, either to make it easy for us to cover all bases, or perhaps they felt that those particular prayers were more likely to be answered. I don't know. All I know is that when I go to an Anglican church or I go to a Catholic church, I can pretty much tell you how the service is going to go because Much of what they do is repetitive and the prayers are the same, you know, and the prayers have titles, you know. Jesus gave us a template which we know today as the Lord's Prayer. So when I came to learn years later that prayer was simply a conversation between God and man and that I didn't have to say them the way the Pope instituted or a prayer book said, I was relieved because it suited my carefree personality better. I lean more towards spontaneity and being in the moment, which translates to, um, I was going to say I don't like order, but let's just say that I don't like to color within the lines. I've got to get my pencil outside of the lines. Order, organization, those are traits that I had to develop. Unlike my husband, who I like to call Mr. Perfect. (laughs) This means that for me, prayer became a lot more heartfelt and honest. And by honest, you'll often find me accusing God of not caring enough. Yes, I go into spoiled child mode occasionally. (laughs) I believe it was in 2019 that I watched the movie War Room and decided then, to start writing out my prayers. In the movie starring Priscilla Shire, we meet Elizabeth, who comes from, I want to say she comes from a Christian background. I can't remember the details, but I would just say she was a safe Christian, you know, the type that goes to church on Sundays. She does all the right things, but her activity is limited to what is visible. You know, she's doing all the right things. Meanwhile her husband was busy being a bad guy, you know. He was being on unf- unf- he was about to become unfaithful to her, he was seriously considering it. He was messing around at work and she was, you know, just living this really difficult life of acceptance of where her life was when she ran into a would-be client, Clara, who happened to be a retired pastor. Clara then coaches her and guides her and teaches her how to pray. And one of the most, one of the noticeable forms of prayer in the movie is in writing the prayers down and sticking them on the walls in her prayer room or her prayer closet. And that's something that I took away and decided I was going to implement. And of course, because I live in London and not the US of amazing A, (laughs) I can't pray in my closet because my closet is a teeny tiny cupboard. And also because square footage. Anywho, my prayers went into a small book instead of sticky notes. And of course, I don't want my kids or Jason seeing exactly what I'm praying for for them <laughs> because that will cause problems. It is very much like having a vision board, which I believe in and I recommend. I'm going to deflect a little bit. When I created my first vision board, I took a step back and decided. I would not engage in any activity that was not represented on that board because I would be wasting time and resources on a distraction and I would know it. The board also stopped me from segueing into more interesting opportunities as they arose daily because you'll find that once you decide to travel on a particular lane, no matter how dedicated to your final destination you are, there will be other more interesting sites calling out for you and it will make logical sense to pursue them. But logical isn't always right. So I enjoyed saying my written prayers and crossing them out as they were being answered because by now I was turning my attention to only the important and necessary things. Then I lost my sweet little dog-eared prayer book and replaced it with a similar-sized pink and gold one because you can't get more girly than pink and gold. As I filled the pages, this time not out of memory, but out of, or should I say, from the place I was now standing, something had changed. I noticed that I was now petitioning from a place of ownership, as opposed to it being from neediness. Previously, I was asking for what I didn't have so it could become mine, so God could give it to me, while this time I was praying for courage to take what was already mine, discipline to stop being distracted, and the discernment to recognize it when I saw it. I was now treating my vision as a real thing, a tangible thing that already existed and not a function of my imagination that I was hoping one day will show up. So what does prayer have to do with the future? Plenty. Because when we pray, we do so to have the future that we desire. No one prays to change the past, at least no one that I know. And when we pray for the so-called present circumstance that we're in, we really are praying for the past because the present is permanently in backward motion. Sometimes when I record a video and immediately watch it, I marvel at the fact that the moment I'm watching is gone forever. And if I really want to get into it, I'd say, I'll never be that young again. It's fascinating, isn't it? The way that time just keeps on going. One of the most somber thoughts or moments for me is when something devastating happens, you know, like the loss of a loved one and your whole world literally just crumbles around you and the world seems to stand still then life goes on. You know, you watch your neighbor go out and get in their car and go to work as normal. You watch people just, you know, doing their thing, people laughing on the streets and time doesn't stand still for them, but it stands still for you. The truth about it is that time keeps on ticking regardless of how dire (laughs) your situation is. It's in constant motion, taking the present away with it. So we pray for a better future. We can't pray for a better set of current circumstances, right? Even if the future is only a few seconds away, it's still the future. We also pray that any shackles that may have emerged from our past will not chain us down to the spot because time won't wait for us to untangle ourselves. It'll just keep traveling on, leaving us behind. Are you a praying person? If so, here's how to harness the opportunity your future holds through prayer. And if you're not a praying person, send me a DM. If you're not a praying person and you want to be or you want to know more about my faith, my Christian faith, just send me a DM or send me an email and we will have a conversation. So as usual, I've got three pointers, three ways to harness the opportunity that your future holds, to harness it through prayer. Number one, have a clear picture of the future you hope for. Many of us only ever run to God in a crisis. And when we do, we shape our prayers with what is happening in the current moment or in the moment. I cannot count the number of times that I've prayed for immediate change. Like, God, change it now, change it now. And I'm not saying that we shouldn't pray for specific and present challenges. We need to do that. But Even in that moment, you must visualize the outcome as opposed to the problem. Unfortunately, what many of us do instead is build an altar, place our problems on it, and bow down to worship at its feet. We worship with our heart, with our mind, with our soul. Ever been with somebody, or perhaps that's you, who every single time you meet them, they are just, they give you the the genealogy of this particular problem in their life, and they just go on about the same thing every single time. That's what altar building and worshipping a problem looks like. Because when your entire focus is on the issue, you cannot also be looking at the solution. It's one or the other. In other words, don't shower the current passing situation with faith. Don't waste your faith on a present that's actually passing <laughs> instead use it to call out the situation that is yet to be the one you desire if you're sick stop praying for healing and start praying for good health because in order to pray for healing you're going to be visualizing the illness i mentioned only i think last episode or maybe the one before, I, I referred back to some 12 years ago when my son was very ill in hospital. One of the things that God said to me while I was crying out to him was, take out the picture of him lying on that hospital bed in that green top with all the tubes uh, coming out of his face and his chest. And instead... Replace it with a a picture of him walking out of the hospital in his favorite top, which was a purple top. That's the picture you should pray with. So visualization is very, very important. When we pray for sickness, we picture the sick. You know, when we pray for good health, we picture ourselves in excellent health. Also, the scripture says, by his wounds, you have been healed not you will be healed. Because if I say you will be healed, it means you are not yet healed. But if I say you have been healed or you are, it means that whatever you're praying for has since been established. It's it's done, it's dusted. And you just need to lay a hold or get an understanding of the revelation. Understand that the work on the cross is finished. It is not in progress. Number two, let your prayers be inspired by the unseen or the yet to happen. Don't be inspired by the physical. Allow it to come from a place that's deeper than your senses, than you know your physical senses. Let it come from a place that's beyond your emotions and one that's even farther than the place that you stand today. Episode 36 is titled, The Future is Superior to the Present. Now, because we are human beings and we live in an imperfect or fallen world, it isn't surprising that we measure our challenges based on how pressing they are to us, instead of us measuring it based on what realm they're in. So the physical realm is where problems are found, and the spiritual realm is the future or the causal, the yet-to-happen realm, And that's where solutions are formed. Because again, the physical is constantly passing, but the future is yet to happen. This means that although today you have the power to establish your tomorrow, you may choose to focus on the current disconcerting situation instead because of its proximity to you. Know that... The future will take care of itself, right? I think I've heard that said so many times. Tomorrow will take care of itself. It's easier said than done, I know. (laughs) Only a couple of weeks ago, I was just frozen and paralyzed in the fear of my future. So I don't say this and I don't share this from a place of perfection or attainment or anything like that. I'm learning this as well (laughs) at the same time that you're also learning. There are always exceptions. Immediate action can stop a bad problem getting worse. You know, I mean, obviously, if there's a fire that's about to start in your house because you've left the palm oil um, on fire for too long, immediate action is needed. This is not the time to think about the future, it's a time to think about now. But the trick for us is to be able to discern what needs our attention now. And whether or not we can ignore it and invest our time and energy in a better tomorrow. One of my pet peers, oh my goodness, is people calling me with emergencies that are not an emergency. Someone used to do that to me until I drew those boundary lines like so deep in the sand. (laughs) She couldn't even cross over it. She'd start by calling three times in a row. Ring, 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 ring. You don't answer. When it goes to voicemail, she hangs up and calls again. Right. So when someone's doing that, you're thinking, oh my goodness, they're in serious trouble. But from experience, I knew not to answer. And the next thing you know is a few texts. Please call me, it's urgent. Please call me it's urgent. And then more calls. Finally, you answer because you know you want your own sanity or you want to just get her off your back. And uh, well, no longer do I answer. I just leave it and now the the boundary has been established and understood by both parties. You pick the phone up and there is a question like, how do you cook X, (laughs) Y, Z? Or what should I do? My sister-in-law was just rude to me. True story, guys. And if you have the need to please others, chances are that you'd attend to this so-called emergency because you feel compelled to be their savior. I know that because that used to be me. So avoid petitioning for things that are based purely on its closeness or its proximity to you, or its urgency, or what people are call, what you might even call an emergency, uh, but it really isn't. You have to learn to redefine uh, challenges and things that crop up. Not everything is an emergency, even though it makes your heart beat fast. You may have heard about the Eisenhower matrix. It's quite common. A lot of productivity firms and books refer to it. It's a quadrant that helps you define or identify what's important versus what's urgent. Because some things may be urgent, but not important. And instead of responding to the quiet voice of what's important, we react to the louder sound of, the urgent not everything that's time sensitive is important not everything is uh, you know requires us to drop everything we're doing and attend to it because there's a there's a deadline we must practice this in every area of life including what we choose to pray for and i've left the link to the matrix at the end of the matrix <laughs> i'm probably One of two people in the world yet to see the Matrix movie. Or is it a trilogy? I think it's two or three parts. Sounds like something I will thoroughly enjoy and requires uh, time and just, you know, quietness and no one disturbing me so I can really focus because apparently it's this really, really deep movie that has lots of layers of meanings and interpretations and I'm curious the third and final tip on p- harnessing your future through prayer is be confident that you are asking for something that you're worthy of receiving. So you may have heard me say that it is impossible to imagine what we cannot receive I believe that if you're capable of imagining it based on your desires and your desires coming from your purpose, then it is possible. And in fact, not just possible, it's already yours because we dream from the seeds of the purpose that God planted in us before we were even born. Picture a, I don't know, (laughs) a fruit comes to mind. Picture a fruit that has, actually forget that example, that's not even going to work but I hope you understand me, that the desires we have, the yearnings we have, the dreams, the imagination, they're all like fumes that are emanating from this one item and that item is your purpose. For example, I don't have a desire to join NASA, never have, neither have I ever dreamed or imagined becoming a lawyer These are professions that are not a part of the tools that God gave me to navigate earth and to manifest my purpose on earth. They're just not woven into it. And that's why I don't have a desire for it. As a child of God, you're worthy to receive all that God has already laid out for you. So we don't need to make what (laughs) Mashan Evans Daniels calls beggar prayers. We don't need to pray beggar prayers. We don't need to pray as though we're trying to convince God to give us what we desire. Remember that it was he who gave you that desire in the first place. So he's on your side. You're not working against him. Worthiness is a huge thing for me. And I'm pretty sure I shared this in a previous episode. But a couple of years ago, I asked an electrician to do some work for me at my boutique. And he scammed me. I couldn't be mad at him because I was the one who opened myself up to be scammed. Thank you very much. And then when I dug deeper to find out why I allowed that to happen, it turned out that I considered my clients to be more worthy of the best than I was. You see, at the baby cut shop, we only ever, ever work with the most talented craftsmen in the world and never supply items that are less than perfect. So when it comes to interior design projects, I only ever use the most seasoned tradesmen, regardless of their price tag, because the quality and the standard of work is what our company is known for, right? Yet, somehow, I failed to extend that same courtesy and honour to myself. It's a bit like what we do in motherhood. We take better care of our family and then leave ourselves completely out of the picture. So let's do better because we are worthy of self-care. It's not a selfish um, practice despite the presence of the word self. So let's recap. Number one, start from having a clear sight of the future you desire. And I say desire not from the top, you know, not from your senses, not what your senses see and crave, certainly not from your emotions because your emotions are transient, they're constantly changing, they're not reliable all the time, but instead from the core of who you are, which is your spirit that is one with God. Number two, let your prayers be inspired by the future and not the transient or passing present and number three you are worthy of having all that God has created you for that needs to become the foundation of every thought and every belief that you ever have all done (laughs) thank you for listening you are amazing thank you for sharing thank you for reviewing remember to register for the Write Your Rockstar Story workshop. We're about three and a half weeks away. And if you know someone who should be listening to Living Inside Out, why don't you send them the link? Send them the link. Have a great week living from the inside out and I'll talk to you soon.